Welcome to another edition of the Honor Series for the 2020 City Business Festival. This week we are discussing agribusiness and agriculture. And uh, the program is brought to you by APSA Bank and the Ghana Investment Promotion Center. My name is Benadavle. Today we'll be digging into a gold mine called agriculture. We want to understand what it offers, where our blind spots are, and how we can use agri to transform our country. My guest has been in agriculture practically all his life. And he's trained at the Nyangpala Agri College, University of Ghana in Gempa. He's worked as an agri extension officer. He coordinated a global 2000 project. He's worked as a sales agronomist, a sales manager, and a CTO for a wide range of companies, including Dizengoff, Candel Company, Wienko, RMG, and others. And he's traveled all over the world. Over 30 years' experience in agriculture. Presently, he is an agricultural consec- uh, consultant and working on projects like the Global Gap and other things. Ken Niadi is my guest, not the jazz player on radio. <laughs> Ken, great to have you. Good, good morning. Morning, Bernard. You are, you are oozing agriculture. Everything about you is agric. <laughs> You've said it right. <laughs> You've been in this for 30 years. More. Amazing. So it's your passion. Add, add the word compassion to it. <laughs> to make it whole. So before you became a consultant, you were working in the sector. Just walk me through some of the things you've been doing before you ended up as a well, consultant. Well, like you rightly said, I started as an agricultural extension officer, yes. uh, which had to do a lot with the government business. Mm-hmm. Along the line, I got myself into private business. That's why you mentioned all those companies. Mm. Honestly, I had to use a bit of my skills as an extension officer to project what I got myself involved in. Mm. As to the sales and promotion of inputs, mm. it was a combination of product development, training of farmers, mm-hmm. and the sales at the tail end of it. Fantastic. That's it. So my plan this week is to really open the eyes of listeners to agri and agri business or agri business and the whole value chain. Let's understand what opportunities are there. We're told agri is a gold mine. A lot of people don't seem to understand this. So. And particularly because of the pandemic as well, yeah. we've seen how food security has been brought as a major national issue. So, for example, Vietnam said they won't export any rice and all of this. So, first point is, what are some of the key things in agri that we, the non-agri people, don't know? Some of the key insights into the way the agri sector works that a lot of people assume but are wrong about. I'll start with, with a definition of agriculture with the basics. I mean... Mm-hmm. It's uh, simply the art and science of cultivating land or using it to rear animals, which will end up as food on our table. This is to tell all of us that, look, there's nobody amongst us who is living, who might stay throughout the day without having a meal. It is highly impossible, which comes to make the work of the farmer or the agriculturist or whoever involved is involved in agriculture a very important person. Great. So that's it. What's the difference between agriculture and agribusiness? Agriculture could be just basic production or probably going to have fun treating it as a hobby. But agribusiness brings you to the reality of the gains, all the opportunities that will avail themselves via agriculture or farming as a whole. So today we are talking about agribusiness. That's it. Because that's what I'm interested in. Very well. Great. So tell me about why is agribusiness a gold mine? If we are to start with the basic comparison, I mean, when we go into mining, in no time, when uh, whatever we are mining gets finished, what mm-hmm. happens? We leave the land and go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that is to tell you, I mean, uh, although it looks lucrative, it is not sustainable. But when it comes to agriculture, wherever you get the right things mm -hmm. and put them in the right place in agriculture, there's no way in which you are, you are ever going to run at a loss. That is to tell you, I mean, uh, uh, agricultural farming is an asset which when owned appreciates over the years or in the long term which might even run at the same pace of any inflation of any sort you can find anywhere that is how important agriculture can be to us and so as mining depreciates because as the mineral finishes you are basically diminishing return that's it you're saying agri has increasing returns that is the point that's that's what i want to drive out wow yes what else it presents a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. From where I sit, I really hate to hear somebody who wants to go into agriculture basically out of frustration. Or let's say, I mean, in this pandemic, pandemic, I know people have lost their jobs and all those things. Nobody should just see agriculture as a last resort. If you have an idea of embarking upon any agricultural venture, I will treat you to take it very, very serious. Just seek the necessary advice. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you might be on your way to volumes of riches. And nothing more than that. A lot of our farmers are poor. I did a bit of economics. And I know that if you look at poverty in Ghana, peasant farmers are among the poorest. If agriculture is a gold mine, why are most of our farmers poor? That's an interesting question i'll have a serious twist to it you know from uh, my uh, work as uh, with agrochemicals especially it might surprise you to know that most of the volumes of the agro inputs chemicals that come into the system are consumed by these farmers who claim to be poor it's it's an erroneous impression actually those who are bothered to heed to advice and do the right things will have a better story to tell you. It's only that uh, they farm on small-scale basis. But if they are encouraged to do the right things, this idea will have my entirely change. So because they are small-scale, yeah. they are not able to make wealth? They don't, they don't probably get the right things to do what they have to do to get things right. So you're saying the reason a lot of farmers are poor is probably because of scale. The scale is too small. And what else? It's not, not even just, just the scale. What, why are they poor? You add skill. S-K-I-L-L. -L. Yes, please. That's it. I mean, some, some blatantly refuse to listen to advice. Or take advice. And that's what keeps them lingering on in poverty. We shouldn't be the case. Those who have seen the light are doing well. What must the average person who is in agribusiness know in order to exploit this gold mine positively? First and foremost, don't just enter agri or go into farming for farming sake. You should have a real agenda. And the agenda should be I'm going to do business. 
to make money. Once that is established, you look amongst all the, uh, what do you call it? Let me say the production things available and look out for the best. This brings to mind, I mean, uh, we have uh, short-term products like vegetables, which span from uh, a period of six weeks to a maximum of three months Mm -hmm. for you to harvest. And uh, the interesting thing is some are harvested over a period of time. I mean, you even do them on weekly basis, some on bi-weekly basis. As you continue harvesting, due to price fluctuation, you even gain more. That's that's for the short-term ones or short-lived uh, uh, products. You can go into the medium-term ones. When A typical example would be, uh, for instance, uh, production of pineapples. Yes, an acre could take about 20,000 sockets, and uh, your investments actually could eat up to almost about 9,000. If you do your calculations and everything well at the end of it, you might come out with uh, a sales of about 17,000 CDs. And uh, possibly, I mean, uh, within 14 months, you could come out with uh, an amount of 6,000. Definitely, it's not going to end there. What you have done is going to aid you expand if you have learned. So that could the, the, the first acre could even act simply as a seedbed for continuation of your production. That's it. I see. Then so, the long term ones mm-hmm. could be the the cash crop. Let's take uh, for instance mango. Mm-hmm. You know, it stays I mean you start harvesting seriously from about five years and beyond. Mm-hmm. By the eighth to the tenth year. If not at all, if you get, do your, all your things right, you might be harvesting not less than about 200 fruits per tree. And an acre normally has almost about 44 plants. So if you have uh, 200 fruits by 44 trees, and you're even doing, what do you call it, even 20 pesos. And normally, I mean, mango farms are plantations. Mm-hmm. This is just as a guide. People do more than that. Mm-hmm. by doing what you call it, uh, applying good agronomic practices. So almost 9,000 fruits. That's it. And you're multiplying that by 20 pesos. That's it. That's the minimum. Interesting. That's it. So you need the skill. That's it. Um, and professional advice. Okay. That's it. Very, very important. What about the land? What, what do you need to know about land in order to go into production? Because don't forget, we have production, we have... Um, I mean, it's a factor of production. That yes, what I'm true. saying is that in agriculture, you know, we have the production side, we have the processing and storage side, and then we have the distribution. Very good. That falls into the chain. Good. So, in so now the question I'm asking you now to the production side. Okay. What What else do you need to know about production to do well in agribusiness? Well, you were just about starting with with a land issue. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that is one of the problems we have. It would be ideal if we could even bring in some of our chiefs, people who manage our stools within our villages and all those things Mm -hmm. to give them ideas of how best they can develop land banks like we have for real estate and all those things. It would be interesting if we start developing things of the sort around our country at the moment. I mean, if you go beyond our country, Europe and all those places, if they've done those things and it's working very well for them, it's about time we brought our chiefs into some of these things to aid us, you know, acquire the nursery land to go into 
agricultural development. So strategically for the country, That's land right. tenure is a key part of this agricultural conversation. I mean, we cannot rule it out. It's interesting when you compare cocoa farms in Ghana to Cote d'Ivoire. You notice Ghanaian farms are owned by individuals. That's right. And the Cote d'Ivoire people have lots of larger plantations. That's right. So that has its advantages and disadvantages, right? But what about seeds, pesticides, and fertilizer do you need to know in addition to this land issue to do well in agriculture? Of course. I mean, you cannot do away with agronomic, I mean, good agronomic practices. Mm-hmm. Um, not just mere agronomic practices. As I talk to you now, it's not every chemical that you might just pick and attempt to even when uh, use on your what do you call it on your farm or whatever it is. You need to get to know all those things. I mean, we have chemicals which we claim to be true to type; others are generic, and worse is some are even fake. You 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 understand? That is why seeking professional advice is very very important in any type of agricultural venture you decide to undertake. You cannot rule it out. Of all the things we've discussed so far, land, seed, yes. soil preparation, and then the planting itself, yes. which one typically causes the most problem for the average farmer? It's the labor. The labor? Yes. Talk to me about labor. Labor, labor, I mean, either people are not interested, or, I mean, uh, I mean they simply are not happy, probably with payments that they get and all that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in actual fact, there are some concepts being developed. There's a group in Ghana at the moment, Crop Life Ghana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're developing something we call the space service providers, mm-hmm. where they get rid of young uh, uh, people within villages mm-hmm. or even amongst farmer groups, mm-hmm. train a few people and teach them how best to apply some of these chemicals. And Crop Life actually comprises of uh, companies who bring in agrochemicals. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they have actually come together to undertake a thing like that. And I think it's a concept we should all buy into. Uh, instead of just allowing the youth to loiter around our villages and all those things, we bring them on board, train them to pick up some of these things. At least those who have basic knowledge, I mean, I'm talking about JHS, we can be guided and, and brought into the limelight. So if some a of district assembly has land, yes, wants to solve unemployment, That's wants it. to solve food production, you think they can do an outgrower scheme where young people can go into production and they get enough money to pay everybody? Is, Big is, is this something that if a DC listening to you right now says, look, this is what I want to do to solve unemployment, can do it? This is a serious, laudable idea. Mm. And uh, with the existence of some of us, we'll be around to give them all the support and share the necessary ideas with them to get it. Let's talk about the second level. Apart from production, there's also harvesting storage and processing how lucrative is that segment of the value chain it's also highly lucrative i mean you know even starts from haulage transportation warehousing and all that you know if if you if you get it even uh there are people who aggregate especially those who do farmer-based organizations Mm -hmm. you need to aggregate and put the farmers at a particular place where these things can be bought or you prepare them for the ultimate market you understand? This is something people can invest in and also make their monies all right. So if you want to advise somebody on warehousing versus agro-processing, he has $500,000. He wants to invest in something. He's based in Sawam. Yeah. And he says, look, I want to get into this thing, into the, the middle level. 
what are some of the things you should think about when he's trying to make that investment into that an agro-processing or a warehousing type of thing, say for fruits? What are some of the things should be he should, questions you should answer before course, he puts I mean, his money the, in there? The location one is very important. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing is w- which market are you gathering those things to push into? Mm-hmm. Are you is it for local consumption? Is it for export? You need to consider all those things. You 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 you, you get me. Huh. Then processing of a way mm-hmm. is uh, is more interesting because if, uh, uh, if you add value mm-hmm. to agricultural products, you tend to gain more out of it than just dealing with a primary product constantly. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know government is doing things like one this one warehouse, yes. uh, one village, one dam, yeah, and then of course. Uh, one district, one factory. So, in theory, these these are great ideas. Okay, how if 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 they happen to go well, how will it change this gold mine of agriculture? If assuming they are able to do all of this, yeah. how much of a game changer would that be? Uh, our production levels are going to increase, and uh, especially with the warehousing thing. Mm-hmm. Presently, another major problem we have, especially with farm products. Is post-harvest losses. Mm-hmm. If we can have all these things in place, that thing can be kept. Mm. And all the gains to be made will come up. People talk about the marketing and distribution part of the value chain as one of the places where there's a major issue because you can produce all you want. There are people who go and buy it in bulk, they aggregate, and then they decide how much it should go for. And because you don't have storage as a producer, they will give you patents for the thing you produce, and then they will sell exorbitant prices. How lucrative is that segment of the market, and what should we know about that? Honestly, if it wasn't lucrative, it wouldn't have existed up to today. Mm -hmm. So uh, along the line, you know, farmers make serious gains when they segregate their production times, mm-hmm. you should be able to produce to avoid glut. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are certain crops which actually appreciate mm-hmm. if you get the correct weather to produce them. Mm-hmm. Let's take uh, vegetables like tomato and uh, especially the green pepper. Mm-hmm. Yes, at certain times of the year, when you go into the market to get them, you see how expensive they are. Mm-hmm. You understand? If you can get it right, you make all the gains out of it. But uh, if we can fix prices, mm. you understand? Uh, if farmers, government are going to come together to actually fix prices that we adhere to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these things can be controlled. Mm. Even in Ghana at the moment, we don't even use weights. We use containers in the, doing most of our sales and all that. If we are having to use skills, I mean, it, it's even going to cushion the farmers a bit. So it's something, it's an agenda we should push seriously. Mm. Yeah, there should be a collaboration between government and uh, producers. And uh, I'm sure uh, we'll all be smiling. Funny thing, in developed countries, they produce more food than they need. But fewer people are involved in agriculture. That's it. In developing countries, we don't produce as much food as we need. We import a lot of food. But more people are involved in agriculture. What's going on there? What's the, why this discrepancy? Hmm. But this will, will <laughs> I'll throw it back to history. Mm-hmm. When our forefathers left the shores of this country and got into mm-hmm. the Americas and the Europe and all that, what specifically did they go to do? 
they went to work on plantations. Mm-hmm. That made themselves sufficient in food production. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have serious support for the farmers in these countries you are talking about. That aids them to produce in excess. Mm -hmm. Besides technology, machinery, is at its highest level of use Mm -hmm. within these places. Mm -hmm. In effect, work that will be done by so many people like we have around here, is only being done by a few people. Mm. Yeah, so... Others would rather uh, use their energies elsewhere. And nobody does agriculture, especially in, the, uh, in Europe and all that, for doing sake. The major purpose is to make money. So the, the, the key point is the way the two situations approach it. We are in 2020. Technology is now the main thing. People are talking about Internet of Things. They're talking about how digital is changing the world. How does technology change the agriculture conversation it is huge today fortunately we are talking about hybrids mm-hmm. formerly we didn't have them mm. i mean uh, fortunately i haven't heard of any gmo entering the country at the moment but then hybrids are doing well with us even to the extent irrigation is coming up small small which could be developed better mm-hmm. the onus rest on us especially to even run proper tests on our soils before we use them for production. Mm-hmm. As of now, the drone technology, which is actually all over the world, mm-hmm. has come into our country that uh, it's come to stay with us. We have drones which uh, are aiding in uh, getting correct measurements or dimensions of uh, farms. They are aiding in detecting pests and diseases. And uh, they are being used for spraying chemicals accurately mm-hmm. yes in the country at the moment so that's one way it's going to change i mean uh, what is going to happen is, is uh, uh, there will be no time wasting at the moment i mean uh, people can get their strength to expand their uh, farms but technology would then mean that you need less labor that is true and it will be it, uh, i mean labor can be converted into something else Looking deep into this country, we have a large tract mm. of land which when well utilized. I mean, uh, before this uh, labor glut comes in, we would have gone a long way. Besides, uh, population is still outbesting. And uh, we, we, we could do better and uh, not only do local consumptions, but do what you call it. Uh, do more business out of this country than we are doing at the moment. You know, you've made mention of uh, what is happening in Ivory Coast. It might interest you to know, um, most of the plantations they have over there are designed in such a way that the indigents of the various localities have a share in those plantations. They are the people who even do most of the many jobs within it. Understand? Unfortunately for us, because some of the things are individually owned over here, because of litigation, you'll be surprised people even go to commit proper arson by burning people's farms and all those things. It is happening around us. So this is something, like I said, if uh, we could design proper land banks, have meetings with the chiefs and all those things, 
these things could be designed very well. And uh, we have a win-win uh, situation. When you say agribusiness is a gold mine, does this also apply to animal husbandry? Seriously. I mean, we cannot rule that one out. We cannot rule that one out. I mean, uh, from chicken, pigs, uh, I mean, let me name them by their real distance. We are ruminants, pseudo-ruminants, larger ruminants like the cattle, the small ruminants, sheep and goats, the pseudos, I'm talking of the, the rabbits, the grass cutter, chicken, yes. They are our major protein sources. If we look at them very well, I mean, it could give us a lot of money. Rabbitry, for instance, just about three males and about 30 females. Mm-hmm. Within about 30 to 32 days, you know, that's, when, that's their gestation period. Mm-hmm. By close of the year, you could have almost about 680 of them. This, for instance, they are weighing about 2.5 kilos. And you are even selling one at 20 cities, a kilo at 20 cities. Mm-hmm. Bernard, please multiply it out and tell me, give me a figure. <laughs> so clearly, there's a lot of potential there. Huge. But again, a lot of the people in this sector complain. They say government support. They talk about markets and things. What are some of the things that need to change? With, with poultry, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, the influx of uh, what you call spare parts, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, competes seriously with uh, what our farmers mm-hmm. are producing over here. Mm-hmm. At least concessions should be created. Mm-hmm. We're not saying maybe imports should be disallowed. Mm-hmm. But we should be able to come up boldly, tell ourselves, okay, fine. I mean, we're not going beyond some 50% mark or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Even with vegetables, you'll be surprised when you go into most of our malls and all those things. Most of the vegetables you see over there come from outside. And it's a huge headache and problem for some of us. Well, we have all these, these large tracts of land and all those things. And we cannot supply these basic things. I mean, it's quite unfortunate. And well, you cannot blame most of these importers. Bernard, I'm also going to ask you a question from where I sit. Mm-hmm. Do you bother about what you eat? I mean, where, oh, where oh, the, yeah. the source of it? Oh, yes, I do. You do? These days, I do. <laughs> At least for, since, since December 2019. Very well. Every rice I cook at home is... Grown in Ghana. Very well. I mean, we're talking about vegetables. That is that is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. You understand? I'm glad we're about talking about global GABA. We're cutting short a bit. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people who want to take our products. Mm-hmm. But they've designed standards which anybody who wants to export to mm-hmm. their countries must adhere to. Mm-hmm. Strictly adhere to. Otherwise, those things are no-go areas for them. Basically designed into global good agricultural practices. Yes. As I talked to you now, there's a group called Colio ECP. Mm-hmm. They have something to do with the African, Caribbean, and Pacific. Mm-hmm. Yes. They take a lot of our mangoes from this particular country. Mm. Yes. Ketesi sustainability and health matters. They've also designed a policy mm-hmm. which claims that they don't even want a single mango 
with fruit fly mm-hmm. into their country. And to aid control this, the European Union has actually come together with our National Plant Protection Organization, which is the Plant Protection Regulatory Service, mm-hmm. to design a dossier mm. which farmers who want to export mangoes into any EU country mm. must strictly adhere to. What are we doing with our over here? We don't bother about anything, which is quite unfortunate. All right. Let's end by asking you, so give me five, your top five areas that if somebody wants to venture into agriculture, what, or what, what are the top five opportunities that you think in the past few years people should keep an eye out for? It could be crop, it could be... Uh, of course. I mean, uh, well, we should first look at the capital the person has. Mm-hmm. Then it is followed by the purpose mm-hmm. for the person coming to venture into agriculture. Mm-hmm. We need to discuss all those things at length. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we look at long-term products, the short-term ones, and the medium-term. As I described, vegetables will fall into the short-term ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go into animals, the pseudo-ruminants, small ruminants, could serve a, a lot of purpose. There are others which require a huge capital, you understand? Uh, depending on the capital you have, you, you can look at them. Then long-term, you could look, look at your cash crops. And there's one important one I nearly forgot, the non-traditionals, like the snail rearing, uh, crab production, uh, mushroom, and uh, all the others. All have, have a role to play. I mean, they sell well on the, on the international markets. As for cocoa, we cannot talk about it because the uh, government is doing a lot about it. Yeah. Thank you for your insights. Kenneth Niadi is an agri consultant for Cadi Ventures. They are into different things, including pest management, agricultural consulting in general. He's been in the sector for 30 years. And he says, agri is a veritable gold mine, but you need to understand how it is to benefit from it. Thank you, Ken, for talking to us. All right. Uh, Bernard, I also take this opportunity to thank City for this great initiative. I appreciate all that you are doing about agriculture and projecting it seriously. I hope we continue this fight and push agriculture to where it belongs in this country. Thank you for granting me audience. Don't forget the on-air series for the City Business Festival is brought to you by APSA Bank and the Ghana Investment Promotion Center. Stay with us.